Welcome to the Self-Explained Podcast. My name is Katie O'Donoghue. I am your host and relationship coach who is here to guide you into rewiring your patterns so that you can rewire your relationships and life. So for today's show, I have a special guest on to talk about relationships and the impact on a relationship when it comes to an addiction to pornography and sex. So I want to welcome on to this episode, Dimitri Duchamp, who is a psychosexual therapist specializing in addictions and trauma. Hello, Katie. Hi, Dimitri. How are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you. Happy to be here. Yeah, I've been so excited to do this episode with you. It's such an interesting topic and a really important one as well. So I'd love to hear about how you got to be where you are today and um, what your journey looked like as well for anyone that's listening. Yes, of course. Okay, so uh, I'm, I was born in France originally uh, and I studied physics in France and um, made my way to Australia to work in astronomy and in astrophysics, where I got my PhD at Macquarie University in Sydney. And that was great. And eventually that PhD did not give me a sense, the sense of fulfillment I was looking for in my life. Um, And always in the back of my mind, I had this idea of working in the field of coaching, psychology, something like that. So I started to, started to awaken the coach in me and uh, all along these studies, my big secret that wasn't on my CV was that I had been addicted to pornography and sex for uh, 28 years or so. And uh, so I started to realize that I was curious about this niche and that I was pretty able to talk about sexuality in a very uh, non-taboo, non-complex way. And I thought, oh, maybe there's something for me there because uh, that's something that I'd like to, to work on. Uh, and eventually... Um, had as a, a fruitful and exciting sex life as I could at the time, met my fiance, uh, current fiance, Caroline, and uh, healed from my addiction to pornography, devising mostly my own methods. And uh, this is what I'm teaching and, and sharing right now. Wow, that's an amazing journey, Dimitri, to go from um, completely different areas as well, um, but also to heal yourself um, and to heal yourself through relationships as well. But when it comes to, I guess, um, pornography addiction, um, just so we can kind of give people a little bit of a background insight into it, what actually defines a pornography addiction or how did you arrive um, at the knowing that this was something that was maybe not um, serving you in your life? Yes. So I, I had been a regular consumer of pornography and I, I enjoyed it. Uh, and then it started to escalate into uh, sleepless nights and coming really late at the office uh, during when I was doing my PhD and all these sorts of things, which uh, at the time didn't really take seriously, but I noticed that there was a bit of an escalation there. And um, then I met Caroline and um, completely dropped pornography for a few years and, you know, ha- had this fantastic uh, honeymoon phase. And then after three years or so, I went back to pornography and I was still equally in love. And I was like, wow, how how is it possible that um, I've got this perfect person in my life and yet I'm seeking something outside in pornography. 
And so for me, that was the big wake up call where I said, well, this, there's something that's not balanced here and, and I need to work on that and I need to heal that. And, and, and there's a dysfunction there that I need to address. So it was out of that sense of, of balance and, and happiness in my life. And I realized I'm still engaging with pornography. Uh, there's a big thing to address here. Uh, Caroline kind of knew about it. She was a little bit upset about it, uh, but I, I did it mostly for myself and, and for my relationship. Um, yeah, that's how it came to fruition. Yeah, thank you for sharing that with me because obviously that's quite a vulnerable part of your life, um, but it's amazing to see how open you are to have that conversation and to let people in to see you. So. <laughs> and it's good right because you know a lot of people struggle to talk about their challenges and let's say the darker parts of their journey so I guess I'm curious because you're in a relationship and how did that um, affect the intimacy or did it affect it at all or what was that like for you and if you can speak to Caroline and how she felt, that would be amazing too. But share as much or as little as you want, because there's no pressure here. But I'd love to kind of hear more about what that actually looked like at the time. Of course. And I can speak about myself and I can speak about maybe a more general context as well. So uh, for for me, it was uh, there was always a bit of a double life. Um, and even in my uh, teenagehood and, and early sexual adventures, we were actually... Uh, rather at a later age around 19 or so uh there was always this when i started whereas i started pornography at 11 years old uh there was there was always this double life where i knew sex life would never be the same thing as pornography and, and i was okay with that uh and so i always kept my sex life relatively vanilla uh, and the pornography escalated into really high extremes um so it's always something that i kept to myself uh there was a lot, a lot of repression uh, and I. Yeah, and I, I still, I still, um, there was a lot of romance and and you know, uh, happy happy sex in my sexuality, but uh, for the most part, I think men tend to to repress a lot to keep to themselves, uh, and it's not necessarily a bad idea to some extent, and I'll share more on that in a second. Um, but yes, there's always this uh, this mismatch when pornography is a is a bit of a, a contentious point, and and I think it can come from from sexual frustration. Um, men being exposed to pornography then have certain expectations, a certain reality of, um, I think people think of what women should be, but I don't think it's so much that, but of things they want to try or do, and, and, and they don't really have that space in the bedroom to do that, or it escalates into uh, things that are a bit out of the usual vanilla sex that maybe people, people who are not exposed to pornography are not uh, ready to hear, or is just a little bit too much. So, so there was all of that that was, uh, that was coming into play. Uh, and then <clears throat> the goal was to harmonize that by spicing things up a bit in the bedroom or any other room uh, and, uh, and reducing the, the pornography and, and rebalancing all these extreme sexual tendencies that, that weren't serving me. Uh, and it's also a pattern we find across uh, with a lot of my clients. It's about, uh, wow, there's a, just two visions of sexuality and it's about you know the, the man and the woman or the, the two the two partners, and it's about rebalancing that mm. relationship and, and keeping the communication open in a certain way that that we can bring these two uh, harmoniously together. 
Yeah, amazing. Thank you for sharing all of that with me. I'm also kind of curious when it comes to um, being exposed to pornography, because you kind of um, touched on that when you were speaking. It's no secret that, you know, people are watching it at a really, really young age these days. Um, And so I'm curious to hear about whether you think this is um, detrimental to their sexual identity and whether you feel like it's enabled by friends or by um, the people that they're surrounded by. Um, So whether it's like a group norm and how that can actually um, shape a person too in their thinking when it comes to expectations in the bedroom or with other people. Yes. So the the average age for uh, exposure to pornography today is 11 years old. Uh, and so it, it may feel really odd for parents to have the birds and bees internet talk at 11 years old or 10 years old, uh, but it is really necessary. When I was uh, probably that age, 11 or 12, my dad came in and we had internet into the house and, you know, he, he, he did his part and said, well, you know, children, this is the internet, you know, that there's different sites and so all sorts of things we don't want to see on the internet. So I trust that you'll do that. And, uh, and as much as I've never lied to my parents, this was like the major lie where I would spend a lot of time with pornography at night. Um, and so did, that talk didn't help. And I, and I think what I did not understand at the time is that it's not that you, should, you shouldn't do it because it's bad. It's that you shouldn't do it because there's a risk of it damaging your life in a profound mm. way. Uh, and if I had known that, I think even as an 11-year-old, I could have understood that. Um, and especially my father was a heavy smoker. So if it established a parallel between smoking and this kind of things, for example, um, yeah. that would have, uh, I would have understood. So, so we are rarely, uh, children don't go to pornography naturally. It's not their natural environment. So there's always an introducing factor, generally an introducing person to pornography. And for me, it was a friend. Uh, because I, I was always always had these big taboos and always a good kid and followed the rules, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but he was, he one day he showed me this, these sites um, and, and he broke the taboo for me or with me. And, and I remember walking back home this 15 minutes from his place to my place where I felt this sense of, wow, pure joy. And I was like, wow, if I ever feel down, there will always be pornography for me. And, and I had that, that sense of like, I found something where I can find refuge. And as a child, I, I didn't really understand the world. My, my wanting to be an astrophysicist was a way to hide from society in many ways. And uh, it was like a, it was a, a, a traumatic, a positive peak experience, uh, but traumatic. And, and, um, and then it's taken a lot of time and efforts to, to undo that. So, um, yes, the, the Internet Birds and Bees talk is, is necessary. And I think bringing it to... Uh, not as a, as a as a rule and sanctions, but as a, hey, you know, this is for your well-being. As a child, you're not really equipped to understand all that's happening on there. And you know what? Most uh, adults will not be either because the pornography in 2022 is not the, the books from the 1970s and 1980s. It's a whole, whole new level of immersion and uh, um, visual exposure. Yeah, and I mean, there's a lot of shame, I guess, when it comes to talking about sexual health um, from between parents and children. A lot of the time, it's almost like you don't want to go there because it's you're opening the lid and you don't know what's going to happen. And I know from my experiences, I was given a book. (laughs) 
and I was told to just go read it. <laughs> I don't think I ever even opened it. So I was kind of depending on friends to educate me about um, sexual identity and um, what that kind of looked like in a relationship as well. Um, and so I guess my view of pornography was predominantly negative because it was almost like, oh, we can't even think about that because that's for men. Right. And that was kind of my thinking at the time in my teen years. And so, you know, I, I kind of want to maybe unpack this with you. Do you feel like this is solely restricted to men or can it affect women as well in a similar way? There's so the, the two. OK, so pornography is uh, are the most visited websites on the Internet. Most of the traffic of the Internet goes to pornography. It's the first source. Or it's right after TikTok. I think TikTok yeah. just is <laughs> pornography. <clears throat> so everybody's watching pornography, but nobody's watching pornography. And that, that's fascinating. Um, and the two thirds of the consumers of pornography are typically uh, men. And one third is, is women and there's a growing uh, population of women watching pornography. And, and pornography is more detrimental to men. It feels like it seems like men tend to fall more into the damaging part of pornography than women do. And for women, it can be a source of inspiration and, uh, you know, spicing things up a little bit. Uh, whereas it feels like men are just some men fall right into uh, the cracks of pornography and these rabbit holes and uh, and it becomes an addiction. So th 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 there is there is a, a normalization that's happening where if you're with a group of friends, you know, there's lots of jokes about pornography, these sorts of things. And it's normalized, you know, it's just, that's what men do. Um, and um, just like cigarettes in the 60s, you know, maybe it's it's time to say, um, well, yes, it, every, every man do it. And it, it's maybe not such a healthy thing to do. Uh, and I'm not condemning pornography. Uh, if you know two pe two people or three people are having fun and, and want to put a video on that on the internet, uh, so be it. Uh, it's a form of sexual expression, but it's just uh, there's there's a need for information around the damages that can be created by pornography. Um, and especially when we're at that age, you know, being 15 to 30 of, of sexual exploration and sexual discovery, uh, it can be later as well. Um, there is that thing where men will tend to compare uh, each other. They'll tend to, to share their sexual adventures. And, and then this can uh, instill a sense of curiosity and setting a, a certain standard uh, on which we base upon ourselves to, for our sexual development. So, uh, and if pornography becomes that point of reference, then we're, we're really into trouble. It was never a thing for me. I always knew pornography was not a center for education. It was just a thing that fascinated me. But uh, but it can happen as well. I've, I've seen it in, especially in younger men um, with whom I've been working, suffering from erectile dysfunction or premature ejaculation, all these sorts of things. That uh, but pornography is their reality. That's what they think you know sex should be like. And and there's no one to say well, that's what it should be or shouldn't be. But certainly with a certain measure, because the, the pornography is so is so broad. Yeah, exactly. And I guess when it comes to because um, a few moments back you mentioned that um it has a lot to do with the feelings and the emotions um when it comes to this addiction um and any kind of an addiction to whether that's to exercise to food to sugar to smoking to drink to drugs it's a lot to do with the feelings that you get from it so can you tell me maybe a little bit about that and how it becomes um 
maybe like an escapism or some sort of a feel good thing to do when maybe your life as is, is quite painful or quite stressful. Like how does that um, actually develop and go beyond, we'll say healthy relationship with pornography to addictive? Yes. So, uh, and I'm so glad you mentioned stress because stress is definitely a huge factor. And when we think about stress, we think about, oh, you know, have to pick up the kids and these sorts of things, but there's yeah. hundreds of thousands or hundreds of sorts of forms of stress that we don't think about. PTSD, for example, is a form of stress that I would say most people are uh, influenced by post-traumatic stress disorder that, that they're not aware. So, uh, so recently I came to the realization that you cannot give your love. This, this seems unrelated, but <laughs> give your love to someone. You can only love people. You cannot give them your love. But as a child, I was shown that y- y- you have to give people love. And that's what I tried to do with, with girls at the time with whom I was madly in love. And they kept on rejecting me because I was really pushy and awkward. Um, and, and so I felt rejected by women for a long time because I, I, I did not allow myself to love and express my love and sexuality. I was just trying to do something rather than feeling. Uh, and so that was the, 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 big, the backbone of my sexual relating, which, uh, which was slightly dysfunctional until it was not anymore. And I, and I grew uh, as a person sexually but so there, there there was for me it wasn't so much the stress because as a child it was pretty chill and as a teenager but it was that that there was a lot of trauma in me there was a lot of uh, and there, there were everyday trauma they were not like I, I didn't go through any major abuse or anything like that it was just your perception of the world as a child and just the, the things people tell you and maybe a certain sensitivity that create all these mini emotional wounds or big emotional wounds that that then we we carry within us and until we look under the bonnet to see what's happening there at the unconscious level, we still suffer from these, uh, these emotional wounds. So this is a long one introduction to say then, uh, when I decided to heal this addiction, I was like, okay, everybody's watching pornography. Why is that? And there was little literature about the appeal of pornography or, or why people would be addicted to pornography. And I was like, okay, either there's something special about pornography that nobody's seeing or uh, is just what everybody does and I'm just making this up and I started to be pretty analytical about this and slightly obsessed and I started to document the pornography I was watching into an excel spreadsheet and to see who were the characters what were the trends what were the keywords what was the transfer of powers what was the scenario uh, what was the the the, the environments and every little detail that I could and, and at some point it hit me and it's one of the most profound moments in my life is that I saw that the pornography I was consuming was a replay of my trauma mm. and, and the pornography I was consuming was a replay of these emotional wounds I was carrying and there were so many emotional wounds to pick from that there was a lot of a whole landscape, pornographic landscape that I could explore. But there was, there was a tight link between these emotional wounds and their replay or how they were replayed in a sexual and positive way where the wooden part of us, the shadow, the ego is winning. So I always Mm -hmm. say in pornography, the ego wins or the shadow wins. It's like this wounded inner child in pornography that the emotional center within us is winning and we take revenge upon whatever's happened to us. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. You mentioned about the wounded inner child when it comes to, um, this addiction with pornography um because I can kind of resonate with that my inner child felt like she had to give herself away 
and to do as she was told, which heavily played out when it came to my relationships with men and particularly when it came to sexual relations with men feeling like I couldn't set that boundary and I had to just keep giving and giving in the hopes that they would eventually love me back in the way that I wanted them to and I think that's a very real reality for a lot of women maybe for a lot of men as well in terms of how their childhood trauma plays out in that kind of relationship and I read it in a, a book, The Brain That Changes Itself as well. They had a very interesting uh-huh. chapter on how your structures in your brain actually change from watching um, pornography. And the same goes for romantic movies as well. When you think about how that imprints um, on you and creates expectations in a relationship um, and then how you feel like something is going wrong if you don't have what is you know on the screen in front of you so I guess when it comes to this Dimitri if you are someone who's currently in a relationship or whatever status you are in at the moment whether you're single or with someone what would you do if you feel like this is something that is happening to you if you feel like you have an addiction or an unhealthy Um, relationship when it comes to sex with other people what would the steps be for someone to take at the very start yes and I'll I'll reply to that and bounce on what you just said as well Uh, we kind of all have a sexual pattern that we are or not aware uh, of and and for me I was addicted to to giving pleasure to women and I I would feel the sense of value by giving orgasms and uh, and I became good at it, but there was then it was my only way of expressing myself sexually. And I was like, oh, this is not really good. And one day, long story, came to live in, went to live in a tent, came back, and I uh, went to a tantra workshop. And the the tantra teachers, I said, I have an addiction. And the tantra teacher said, well, you're you're looking for validation from women because you're looking for validation from your mother. And, and wow. he just said these seven words and he went like, because I'd never heard about the concept of validation before and these sorts of things. And it was, it was the beginning of a, of a long journey of recovery. Um, so the first steps, when you're realizing that there's, there's an imbalance, there's, there's compulsion, there's secrecy, there's a double life, there's all these sorts of things. Uh, I guess the first step is just to acknowledge that that's the case and that if you let that go, uh, you can wonder where is that going to lead me? Because it, it, it leads to a sense of separation within a relationship. If you're single, it's going to lead to a sense of isolation and despair, potentially hopelessness. So just to acknowledge that it's the case um, and then to to seek some form of uh, healing. So a lot of the time when there's a compulsive behavior to anything, but mostly pornography, um, people will, will, will go cold turkey. And that's the first thing to try. And, and why not? So that means they will try to stop the behavior and they'll say tomorrow on i'm not watching any pornography anymore and you know for a minor fraction of the population it works and if it's you fantastic and well done but for a lot of people this will not work and, and mm. then people will start to be obsessed about this and count the days and relapse and and then go through phases of highs and lows and the emotional distress is going to amplify this and i really recommend you don't do that there's a, a movement out there that i shall not name that focuses on counting the days and recovery and you know give it a go uh, for a couple of maybe months and then it's for, it's for you or it's not for you, but don't stay in that system where you, you're feeling entrapped. And, and what I 
the, the steps that are necessary before you go into remission, before you, you heal the behavior, is to heal the emotional wounds that are, that are causing this behavior. If you're compelled to watch pornography, there is something meaningful for you in pornography. What is it that you're finding in pornography that is soothing? What are you trying to soothe? Why does pornography make you feel better? Mm -hmm. It offers you a reality where your shadow, your emotional wounds are uh, in, a good, in a good place. So how about you heal these emotional wounds from the inside which are hard, it's hard to know which ones they are because they're unconscious and, and they only speak to us in, in patterns and making the same mistakes 20 times until we come to realize that we're doing something that's not helping us. Uh, so to heal those wounds and then to disengage with pornography progressively. So the, the, the way I, I recommend people to do that is just to, to change the way they watch pornography and to make it boring. Because every time we watch pornography or every time we're addicted, we're going to make the experience 100 times better or 100 mm. times better. 100% good. Uh, if I watch pornography, I'm going to look at my bestest, you know, themes or whatever it is that that, that is it for me. How about you you consume something that's, you know, a little bit less good and maybe experience 15, 50% good. And then progressively you're rewiring your brain in a slow, progressive, safe way where, you know what, pornography is kind of boring and you're just going to stand up uh, off your desk and do something meaningful. So, which is the technique that I, I use for myself. Uh, and at the time I didn't have a coach or anything and I, it took me six months. And, and this method is, is it really, uh, it's a very encouraging, positive, supportive way. It's non-brute force. Um, and I really recommend everybody to, to do that. And the final step, once you've healed the emotional wounds, already you'll be an incredibly different person and you disengage from pornography successfully is then to get into remission, you stop watching pornography, and of course, to have fun sexual adventures and to, to uh, explore sex as much as we want and as much as we as we can, provided it's consensual and uh, it's legal, then go for it and, and have fun. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Um, something I want to circle back to is um, obviously when you're getting um, a release of dopamine when you're watching pornography, so like a feel good kind of pleasure hormone, that obviously has an impact on you know, the relationship with people in real life, because, you know, maybe you're not getting as much excitement or as much pleasure as a result of having this intense pleasure that's escalating and escalating and escalating from watching pornography. So are you noticing in the people that you work with, or maybe on your own journey that actually when you stepped away from pornography or reduced screen time, that real life experiences became more enjoyable and um, more connected. Absolutely. Absolutely. And first it's um, for me, it was, and for, for many men who watch pornography, that there's a desensitization that's happening and there's a specialization that's happening. You think that the more pornography you watch, the more you explore different landscapes, but actually you tend to go back to narrower and narrower niches every time and to make them more and more extreme. Well, that's a typical fetishist pattern. But uh, when you're in that trap there, if you don't have that in real life, it'd be really hard to get turned on sexually if you don't have these themes or fetishes or whatever, whatever they are. So as you let go and disengage with the screens, then you allow yourself to be aroused by you know, beautiful women in the streets or by a sexy scene in, in a movie or by your partner who's dressed in a certain way on a beautiful morning. And, and, and it's allowing you to come back to this reality where your, your sexuality is not all entrapped into this little box and you'll re-own your, 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 the whole spectrum of your sexual behavior. Uh, and it's again, it's a progressive thing. Uh, but again, when engaging in, 
then you find yourself re-engaging in sexual fantasies. A lot, a lot of men who watch pornography don't know how to fantasize anymore because they have, have, haven't used that muscle for so long that, you know, it's just, uh, it's just the, the thing they do. For many men use pornography as a quick shortcut to orgasm, which is a quick shortcut to feeling good after a long, stressful day. So yeah. how about you let go of pornography and keep those themes and awesome sexual fantasies that you have and just fantasize about that. And just that will do a lot of good for your brain moving away from that screen and not relying on, on that. And then can you move away from these fantasies and be with the person and, and do the sexual things? And then can you be with the person and connected heart to heart and do the sex and also be in love with them at the same time? Uh, so it's a slow journey of de-escalation that uh, every step is, is, is meaningful and, and it's just the, the necessary steps to reown our, our sexuality. Mm, thank you once again for um, exploring all of that. When it comes to communicating with your partner, so let's say you're in a relationship or whether you are the person who is um, currently going through the addiction, maybe we'll start there with that person. How would you share that with your partner? Um, how would you let them in to see you without it maybe impacting the relationship in a negative way or protecting the relationship itself? That's right. So because pornography is so uh, polarized and taboo, uh, and generally there's a lot of secrecy with pornography within a relationship, then uh, I am someone who'd say always keep the bridges of communication open in the relationship. And the, the best thing that can save any relationship is open communication, sharing our needs, sharing our desires, et cetera, et cetera. When it comes to pornography, though, if you've seen the movie Don John, which, uh, is, which is Don John, um, <laughs> there's that, that moment when he shares that he's addicted to pornography and she, uh, she, she, she just loses her temper and she, she leaves the relationship because you know, she's got all these judgments about pornography. So I would say, uh, whereas a lot of men very courageously sometimes break the taboo and, and you know, share with their partner, hey, I'm watching you know, pornography. I've been doing this for X many years um, and, and, and they think they're going to be uh, you know, congratulated for their courage and that the, the partner's gonna say, oh, well, you know, let's sit down and talk about this. Thank you for sharing and being vulnerable. And oftentimes they're met with, you know, a slap in the face and, and that's it, living with their kids in the house. Um, mm -hmm. So you, you want to be cautious about these things and, and really take it step by step. So I would say rather than making it about pornography, making about the, the thing that you enjoy in that sexual landscape and try to bring these elements into your sexual life. Obviously, if you're spending a lot of time in pornography and not in your relationship, is that there's sexual frustration there to some level. Yeah. So how can you, again harmonize with that and open yourself step by step into, hey, you know, maybe we can spice things up a little bit. Maybe lately we've been a bit disconnected. Maybe lately there's been new sexual ideas that are, I'm willing to explore and are you okay to do that? Mm. Uh, but again, because we sometimes we specialize so much in, in pornography as well, uh, it's important to really take this to meet them where they are and mm. to progressively bring a little bit of our stuff. If you come in with like, hey, I want to try, you know, this extreme stuff. Uh, is going to meet with a yes, no, probably a no, if they're ready to your thing. Uh, and that's going to be pretty, pretty devastating as well. So really, uh, really gently, you know, bringing yourself of acceptance for yourself and progressively making room for these new, new things. And also understanding that for your partner, well, this is a whole new universe. They may not know you in this light at all. So how can you bring uh, this, you know, if you've been a loving, caring husband and suddenly you want to be a little bit on that darker 
edge, then how can you bring that very gently into the bedroom so that, you know, your partner can get used to that and, and conversely as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned um, as well, a really important aspect of this is consent, right? You said, are you okay with that? Which is um, not something that's openly discussed, I think, when it comes to relationships about creating a safe space for your partner to actually, you know, take a step with you safely where they feel comfortable, um, where you can explore without it feeling pressurized or like you have to. And if you don't, the relationship is going to be over. So, it's really nice how you explain that in terms of asking that question, are you okay with this or asking if they want to try something out? Um, it's nice to have that kind of dynamic um, with anything in a relationship, not even just um, sexual experiences or sexual needs. But let's say you are the partner who is listening to the person who has been exploring um, pornography or who has shared with you vulnerably that they are struggling with um, an addiction. What would you suggest if you were the person on the receiving end? How would they support their partner without going to that quick reaction, as you said, which is seeing it as a negative thing, seeing it as maybe a bit of a rejection towards the self? Um, What would you suggest or guide or advise in this case? Absolutely. So first of all, I want to acknowledge, you know, your situation as the person who is receiving that information that, wow, this is a lot, you know, you're maybe discovering this thing after two, five, 10, 15 years of relationship, and this may be a really big thing. So we want to make room for your feelings to, to that piece of news. And wow, how, how does that feel for you? Uh, and without jumping to conclusions, you know, uh, how do you feel that that's putting your, your relationship, um, and really take the time to feel what it feels like for you to receive that info. And once you've processed that and you feel like you want to support your partner, then amazing. And thank you so much for doing that hard work that is beyond you. Um, then I think it, it's, it's, it's a long path of acceptance for them because they feel so much shine and uh, so much guilt. And, and there are people who are wounded. Uh, there are people who carry potentially a lot of trauma. There's trauma from their life. There's trauma from pornography. A lot of my escalation into extreme pornography was due to exposure to extreme pornography at a, age 13 or something like that, which just flipped the switch. Um, so really being patient, really acknowledging that you are willing to work on that with them, that you are willing to have a conversation about exploring new territories in terms of your of their sexuality, that you give yourself the right to say yes and the right to say no, that they have the right to say yes and they have the right to say no, uh, and for, for seeing them in their, in their pain and, and not judging them and not seeing them, or even if you see them in a place of weakness or a vulnerability that you're still seeing them with love and, and receiving as they are and, and progressively exploring that together. Uh, but it's really about also giving yourself room in that, maybe, mm-hmm. you know, an hour, maybe a month, maybe a year of like, wow, how does that feel for me? And maybe you, yeah. you need to do a bit of therapy as well or, or counseling or whatever it is. Uh, and, and that's also totally fine. Yeah, and that's super, super important that um, both people feel comfortable as they kind of approach this in their relationship. And like you said, that we really acknowledge how our past experiences have caused us to believe certain things or to perceive things um, maybe in a negative light over a positive one at certain times. But 
I guess to kind of bring this up to a wrap, um, where would people go for support, Dimitri? How would they maybe get in contact with you if they're after listening to this episode and they're thinking, okay, I want to go get support or I want to start exploring um, this aspect of myself. Can you tell me a bit about how they could reach out to you or get in touch? Of course. So I've created this new platform called Unhooked. So the website is unhooked.care, C-A-R-E. And uh, on Unhooked, we take this method of healing the emotional wounds and then moving away from pornography slowly and then thriving away from pornography into a life of meaning and purpose. Um, so you can head to unhooked.care and start your journey with us. If you have any questions and you'd like to, to talk to me beforehand, uh, you can write to me at hello at unhooked.care or you can find me on LinkedIn as well or on uh, Facebook or any other media, just type in Dimitri Dusha and whatever favorite medium you have. I'll be very happy to have a chat with you and congratulations on your decision to take action for yourself and your happiness. Amazing. Thank you so much, Dimitri. Um, have we covered everything? Is there anything that you feel like we haven't covered today? <laughs> I think so. In terms of the, the discussion with the partner, the, the last thing I wanted to say is that if you're the receiving end of this this big new piece of news, um, this person who's watching pornography, they love you so much. They love you so much. And they, if they could, they would give up pornography in a snap for you, out of love for you. But it's just cannot because the wiring of their brain, because the, the, the cognition, because everything. Um, but, but it's not because they're watching pornography that they're not loving you. And it's really the wound part of themselves that they're finding soothing from because they, they can't do that with you or at the time they weren't able to do that with you and they didn't want to burden you with that but they feel so much love for you it's not because you're watching pornography that you don't love the other person just wanted to clarify that okay thank you so much dimitri it's been amazing having you on to talk about all of this um i'm definitely kind of like ah <laughs> this was a breath of fresh air to um engage with you in this way and to talk about what is such a stigmatized topic but it definitely needs more of a light and so hopefully this gets to someone who has never maybe thought about this before or who has maybe needed support and didn't know where to go so thank you so much for your wisdom for your openness and just for being here for being you thank you so much katie it's been a pleasure 